Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the broadcast. It is a pleasure and an honor to be here. We are your hosts, Matthew and Aaron Miller. Welcome to Christian Conspiracy Theory. We're going to do a special request tonight. Uh, This broadcast is via a request that has been a repeated request since I started an online ministry. Back in 2010, I have consistently avoided this topic, but the question that I received this time involved a minister that quit over this very topic. It is, how do you pronounce the ineffable name of God? And more to the point... Are we even supposed to? And this being the case, why do the Jews not pronounce his name? Why do they not say his name? Why is that? So this is a topic that Aaron and I are going to dive into, and we are going to give it our best shot. Now take note. How you pronounce his name is really quite irrelevant. Let me say that right out of the gates. I assure you that when you pray in Jesus' name, he hears you. However, make no mistakes about it. If you know Spanish and you pray in Jesus' name, he hears you. So let's just let the rubber hit the road, ladies and gentlemen. I assure you, no matter what language you're speaking, however you pronounce not only God's name, but more importantly, Jesus' name, it is through that name which you receive the forgiveness of your sins. It is acceptable in whatever tongue that you speak. So if you're Native American Indian and you pronounce it a different way, It doesn't matter. God knows your heart. God judges the heart. So, with that in mind, Aaron, why don't you jump on here and let's get this uh, let's get this ball rolling. Let's go over why they don't say his name. What what is the controversy with that? Why is it they don't say it out loud? Why do they use false names. Now, now look, Aaron, there is no reason to beat around the bush. You have asked me this before. Why do they say Hashem? I mean, if you're praising Hashem, you're not praising he who sitteth upon the throne. You're not. So, that should get everybody's gears turning right there. Now, that is intentionally not saying his name. But before Aaron gets into that, let me be quite clear with you how I explained it to my son. And let me just ask him the same question publicly. Aaron, do you ever address me proper? Never. So you've never did that informally or formally. You've never said my name. To be honest, one time and I got in big trouble. Really? Well, I'm glad that you have learned your lessons, because I did the exact same thing with my dad, and I never repeated the offense. So, everybody needs to know that um, there is no God 
except the Lord God of hosts. That's it. So, I use the term God the same way that I use the term Dad. Same thing to me in my mind. There is no separation. I have equal emotional attachment to the word, no, <laughs> to the term, to the epitaph, God, because that is do him. Now, just like my epitaph is do me, I have faithfully, without fail, taken care of Aaron since he exited his mother's womb. And you can take that to the bank. You can ask his mother. I held him first. So with that in mind, that epitaph is do me. I mean, Aaron, have you ever lacked for anything in your life? Have you ever been thirsty? Have you ever been hungry? Have you ever been cold? Have you ever not been sheltered? Have you ever had lack for anything since uh, God instilled me to take care of you? Never. Okay, so we can say definitively that I have earned that epitaph of dad. Yes. This This is the same way I look at what you all say the same thing. You say God, but you're not meaning it like I do. Um, <clears throat> as a matter of fact, one of the points, and it happened to me several times when I was a teenager, somebody ref would refer to some other name being God, and I would lose my cool. Because to me, uh, in my subconscious, that is the word dad. That is, that is how I address the Lord God Most High. He is my dad. He is, well, my God. So that's 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 why I do it. So it is irrelevant how I pronounce his name, because I would never address him proper. Not ever. I would never address him proper. Now, those rules do not apply to the Lord Jesus Christ. We must proclaim that name as being the mechanism through which and by which you exclusively can be saved if you choose to do so. When you repent of your sins, that must be done through the mechanism of his son and his son's sacrifice, Jesus. So, with that being said, Aaron, let's talk about what you found out about the reasons why they won't say his name, and if you even should or not. So you got the mic. All right, so that the root of that is um, the Ten Commandments. And um, here in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, it says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Um, that word for vain is uh, literally, um, it is shav, which means, uh, evil, or uh, falsely, falsely saying his name. So, um, in a way, it's it is to say that you you don't mean it, okay. And then that's really um, known in our day as uh, people um, basically say his name um, whenever they're having a bad day, or even if they're making a joke, they. Um, say his name with in vain because they do not mean it or anything that well to the root of it they they're not they don't fear what he's saying but um, when the especially the Jews they do they are very strict about not saying his name because they're very afraid of it uh, the best put the best in words they're afraid of saying it because of this saying that they say it. Um, without meaning it and I um, and it really goes to the root of that um, well first of all um, how can you know how to pronounce it in our day because people can just fight over it and fight over it and the Hebrew doesn't yield you any vowels so um, 
that's the that's the big problem there that you can't you don't exactly know his uh, name just by reading the Hebrew script. The um, the Masoretes um, who com who composed the Masoretic text, which is the Hebrew Bible we know today, they put the um, the Hebrew diacritics on there um, so that they could preserve the vowels. That's, that's at least how we know. But that was that was lost for thousands of years. Um, people did not speak the Hebrew language, nor were they allowed to. Um, and that's why it was lost. Can you uh, explain what I mean? Yes. You have to remember that, um, ladies and gentlemen, that this is common knowledge, that the closest you can come to pronouncing the Hebrew script is Samaritan, of which there is less than a thousand Samaritans left. All Orthodox Jewish rabbis will tell you this. They have no idea how to pronounce the Hebrew. They have no idea. Even with the Masoretic text, uh, they really don't know. It was lost. That's what God wanted. That's what he designed to happen. In 70 AD, everything he said, he warned them, and he warned them literally for thousands of years. The time came for the rubber hit to, for the rubber to hit the road, and it did. This facilitates, this is the main part and portion of the prophecy that nobody, nobody understands and everybody ignores. Ladies and gentlemen, once the promise was given that in the kingdom of heaven, which is only facilitated through Messiah, would we be given a pure tongue. So, ladies and gentlemen, every rabbi, every Jew knows this, that the reason, the mechanism that the diacritics and the cantillation marks is in place, which is, beyond any shadow of a doubt, the jots and tittles that Christ was referring to, okay, no doubt about it, that's what he was referring to, the only way the only machination to know how to properly pronounce Hebrew is in the kingdom of heaven. And once God said that, once it was documented in the Bible, God's holy word, the Jews knew it was coming. They already knew it was going to happen. Now, this is common knowledge to them. It's just a topic of oblivion with the American Christian church. They have no idea. It is this window of ignorance that the American church tries to divide and conquer and make their teams on how they pronounce his name. Even though you can prove beyond any shadow of a doubt why it is that uh, we have a book called James. Because that's a joke. Everybody knows it. It only came from one place. Look in the French Bibles. Look in the German Bibles. By all means. No, 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 no. There is no James. That is exclusive, once again, to the English vernacular. That's only in English. So a lot of these things have been perpetrated exclusively against the American church. Or, rather, I say... The English-speaking church. Yes, and um, here, uh, what we're trying to say is um, the word James is Jacob, the Hebrew word Jacob. Um, throughout the um, the original Greek Bible, um, and uh, as my dad just mentioned, in the um, according to the Greeks, according to the um, French and all, all the other tongues. It's Jacob in one way or another. Uh, literally, Jacobos or Jacobos in uh, Greek. Um, so just to point that out. And there's no need to point out the simple fact of King James. There's no reason to point that out. 
That's irrelevant. But the M is never there. There's no James. That's that's fiction. And it was always fiction. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, that's exclusive to our tongue. That's exclu that is exclusive to the English tongue. So everybody knows this. And yet it's amazing to me that people reject, reject the simple fact that uh, Jesus most certainly was reading the Septuagint in the synagogue, and that's a historical fact. And as a matter of fact, it was illegal for him to be reading anything else. That's fact. It's also a fact that everybody is oblivious in America that the Septuagint that we possess is exactly a thousand years older than the Masoretic text because the Masoretic text did not come into being until the 700s, ladies and gentlemen. This is the same exact time uh, that Fibonacci injected into the text, you got it, Arabic numerals. Same time. Same time that the Arabs took over the Temple Mount. Same time. Same time. So this usually uh, creates quite an emotional maelstrom, shall we say. But just take note that when you pray and you seek forgiveness, you do it in the name of his son in whichever way that tongue pronounces it. Make no mistakes about it, ladies and gentlemen. There are people that firmly desire in their heart that if you say something other than Jesus, they won't go to heaven, you see. All the Ethiopians that starve to death, they're well, they're in hell right now because they couldn't say Jesus. They said they pronounced it their way. Just like the exclusive crusaders on this continent. They absolutely hate not only Spanish people, but Mexicans. I have been in the presence of people that said, Well, they're really not going to heaven because they say Jesus. You know what? They are what they are, and they will get exactly what they've got coming. Just wait and see. I promise you, just wait and see what happens. So, with that in mind, Aaron, you did a whole lot of studying. Let's get to it. Let's take this to the bank. Well, before I get any further, I want to point out... Um well, what we were saying about the Masoretic text and the diacritics. Well, um, Christ himself, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 18, he said, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass one jot or one tittle, shall no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. That is the King James Version. Um, but um, another better translation of it uh, is found in the RSV. It says, um, it says, For truly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one iota, not a dot, shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. So, um, that letter, iota, is the Greek equivalent to the um, Hebrew letter uh, yod, or yod. And, um, well, those tittles, or um, dots, those would be the diacritic marks, uh, undoubtedly. Um, and uh, so that being said, his these diacritic marks had to be set in place for people to be able to pronounce it. And um, sorry to say that the Masoretes failed, okay? Because um, the diacritic marks don't mean anything now because we don't know how to pronounce them. So, um, because it, after that, it was still lost. That was why the, um, from what I've read, that was why the Talmud was written down. It was originally oral Torah until they had to write it down or else it would be lost. That's correct. That's correct. And let's bring this up right now. Did Delich include the diacritics and cantillation marks in his New Testament? Through Now, now let me make sure I make this clear, Aaron. Through which all 
Jews that have been saved were saved through the Delich New Testament. Did he include these diacritics, cantillation marks, yada, yada, yada? Did he include any of those? No, that um, that exclusively is recent. That people have added the Nikud to it. And just so everybody realizes, because a lot of people in the American church don't realize this, his final edition came out decades, ladies and gentlemen, decades before Hebrew was ever reinvented. That was reinvented after the Jewish state of Israel was created in 1948. It was after that that Hebrew was reinvented. Now, that's a shock to people when they hear that. That no, everybody, and all Jews know this. They know they have no remote clue of how it is actually supposed to be pronounced, but they need everybody to be on the same page. Because when you go to a synagogue in Russia, they read the Torah. And when you go to synagogue in France, they read the Torah. They want everybody to pronounce it the same way, exclusive of foreign countries' dialects. Okay? So imagine this. Do you not know this is why the Catholic Church did the same thing? Only they did it with Latin. didn't matter if you was in Spain. It didn't matter if you were in uh, Italy. It didn't matter if you were in England. When you went uh, to your cathedral, or church as we call it, guess what? You got it in Latin, in Latin until... The how would I put that where Protestants will understand what I'm saying until the big meeting of Vatican II. That's when that was changed. But that's why they did it. They wanted everybody to be on the same page, and that same page was Latin, and it worked. So they get that idea from the Jews, which facilitated one simple thing. 99% of all the sheep had no remote clue what was being read on Sunday morning or Saturday morning. Didn't matter because the Russians would go, you know, they would hobble to their synagogue or to their uh, their Catholic church and they had no remote clue what the priest or the preacher was reading from. And that worked to mass effect. That's why you all need to know this before we go any further. If you're not looking at the Hebrew and the Greek, you're wrong. You're dead wrong. You're absolutely dead wrong. As a matter of fact, let me expand a little bit about what Aaron was talking about. He failed to mention that what the Torah actually says, what it actually says is not the word that he said. It actually has a prefix Lamed on it. So the best way to pronounce what he actually said was Lashav. Both times, it's in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, it has the prefix Lamed. And if you don't know, that's critically important to what the false prophet is going to do. Well, you have a lot you need to learn about the Lord's Acts. Because, well, let's talk about where it's used in uh, the second chapter of Jeremiah. In vain I have struck your sons, they accepted no chastening. Your sword has devoured your prophets like a destroying lion. That's right, you got it. Guess what he struck them with? His axe, the Assyrian false prophet. I mean, we can just stay in Jeremiah and find out a fantastic information just about the false prophet. And that's a fact. So, I'm not going to go too far about that. But you know what? I, I, I am going to include this. But for time's sake, I'm going to limit it. You need to really understand where this word that you call vain, that you're not supposed to take God's name in vain, with that prefix Lamed, 
is in Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 30. And you, O desolate one, now let's pause, I normally don't do this, but I have to. He is talking about the Assyrian false prophet. I'll go on. And you, O desolate one, what will you do? Although you dress in scarlet, although you decorate yourself with ornaments of gold, although you enlarge your eyes with paint, in vain you make yourself beautiful. Your lovers despise you. They seek your life. This is a clear reference to, of course, Bernice. If you want to know more about that, you want to go back and listen to Aaron and I's Christian conspiracy theory on the cloven. Let's get to the very next verse because, boy, he comes right out in the open and talks about the tribulation trigger. For I heard a cry as a woman in labor, in anguish as of one giving birth to her first child. The cry of the daughter of Zion, grasping for breath, stretching out her hands. Oh, woe is me, for I faint before murderers. So, ladies and gentlemen, you need to know that that word for vain, exactly how God said it in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, well, that's right there in direct reference to the Assyrian false prophet in Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 30. So, there's no way you could have known that if you went to church on Sunday and they were, you know, reading it in a different language. You have no idea. So, the Jews wanted to make sure that everybody was on the same page, that it was being pronounced the same way. This is why, beyond any shadow of a doubt, you can prove the, the Masoretic text is true. Because inside of it, uh, we call them, well, parentheses. If they don't know what God meant, they won't say that. They will have a word in parentheses, and they'll pronounce it that way. And those were left in there. So you would know that, well, this isn't actually what the Bible says. It actually says th this word, but we don't even have any remote clue what he could have been talking about. And that's spelt funny, and we don't know how to pronounce that, so we're going to pronounce this word and pronounce it that way. That's how you can prove beyond any shadow of a doubt the text is true. All you got to do to get to the original is do exactly what Delich did. You take out all the jots and tittles. You take out all those Hebrew gloss words, everything that's in those parentheses, and guess what? You got God's word, and everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. So it doesn't matter if you're speaking Spanish or Russian. All of that is irrelevant. You're never going to know what it says until you read it in Hebrew and read it in Greek, because that's what it was delivered in. So Before I go any further, I'm, uh, I realize that we forgot to say this. Um, Hebrew, the Hebrew language is made up of only consonants. There isn't any letters designated for vowels. There is an alpha and an ayin, um but they aren't vowels. They're basic. They basically don't make a sound unless if there's a diacritic marked under it. It ba they basically just carry a vowel sound. Otherwise, they don't make a sound at all. So um, that's why people don't know how to pronounce that language. And as we've already pointed out, people don't know how it's pronounced anymore. Okay, they just guess based on the Samaritans. So. Um, uh, we know the, so I believe firmly that the only way to know how to pronounce those Hebrew names is by the Septuagint and by the Greek Bible, because that was, Septuagint was composed before, while that language, Hebrew language was still being spoken. The Adidal Regia, the New Testament, was written while they still were speaking that language um, in one way or another. By the time um, uh, the wrath of the Romans came at them, they weren't really allowed to speak it at all. 
and um, so on and so on. After persecution and persecution, they weren't allowed. The Hebrews weren't allowed to speak the language. Um, can you um, describe that? Well, why weren't they allowed to speak it? Because it was the root of rebellion. Ladies and gentlemen, why do you think you got the Dead Sea Scrolls? Here, let's let's test my son, shall we? Live and on air. Aaron, what is the Dead Sea Scrolls written in, son? Well, three languages that I know of. Greek, Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. And why do you think uh, the Hebrew and the Aramaic was kept in the cave, son? Let me explain to you what they were doing, and everybody knows it. Every historian knows it. They were taking the Greek manuscripts and transcribing them into an illegal language. This is part and parcel as the reason why the Roman wrath descended on them. You do realize this is one of the uh, facilitations that even Masada was doing. Yeah, they were up there writing in an Ill illegal language. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I'm at when I'm working at my at the store that I work at, um and we have foreign people like Mexican and um uh Germans who come into the store and they're sitting there having big conversations in either Spanish or German, I don't know a single thing they're saying. And that's a problem if you're a leader. If 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 you you're occupying a country and you're um, like the Romans or um, Alexander the Great, if you can't tell what these people are talking, they could be talking about about something behind your back in rebellion. And if you can't understand what they're saying, that's a danger to you. It's a danger to your. I mean, because if you don't know what they're talking about, then you can't know if they're about to rebel against you. And that's the root of why it wasn't allowed to be spoken. And um, they were really right because um, the zealots rose up and well, attacked the Roman Empire. And um, by that, they ended up getting uh, the temple destroyed. Um, all of those curses that um, God gave, he said he gave um, them over to those countries against those um, those occupiers because they kept turning on against him. They kept worshipping other gods and um, so God put them into their hands. And by that point when uh, um, in the time of Christ they weren't worshipping other gods really but they were certainly not following his commands and um, with all that being said, um, then we can start getting into how his name was pronounced. Um, like I said, the only way we can know how those words were pronounced could only be in Greek, okay? Because that was written when the people still knew the tongue, before people, when people knew how to pronounce it. So sorry to say, all you guys, um, if you guys are going to say Yeshua, it should be Yeshua, because the um, Greek word says Yesus, okay, for Jesus. So um, with that, with all that being put down, um, I'm going to um, speak about how his name, the the name of God. Uh, the Tetragrammaton, as it is, as it is called, um, was pronounced was spelled in some instances in the past. Now, in the Septuagint and in the New Testament, his name, the the Hebrew name for God, um, the Tetragrammaton, which is uh, in the Hebrew letters Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey, or um, in our tongue. Y-H-V-H, or to some, Y-H-W-H, which I will get to in a minute. Now, um, that's, that name 
um, was pronounced a few times, was spelled a few times in Greek, but very rarely. In the Septuagint, it was always substituted with kurios, which, which, me, kurios, which means Lord. As most English translations give, they, they translate um, the name of God as um, Lord, with um, lower caps, with higher and lower caps. Um, so, um, but there was one instance, one instance that we have left of the Septuagint was found among the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is, um, is a fragment of the book of Leviticus. It's called the, um, 4Q, Pap, LXX, Lev, B, if you want to look it up. It, it has a complex name, um, for it, but it's a piece of the um, Leviticus and the Septuagint. But it contains his name. It contains a Greek translation of his names, and um, in it, in two verses, uh, three verse three twelve of chapters uh, um, of the book of Leviticus and uh, four seventeen. His name is pronounced or spelled Io. It is um, Iota Alpha Omega, okay. um, which would be Yao um, in our tongue. So, um, with those instances, um, we have to come and re to realize that. Um, it was originally there in the Septuagint, and it is believed that they, some translators along the way, just like the Jews do now, were afraid of pronouncing his name, so they just replaced it with Curios. And that might not be for the same reasons, maybe, um, uh, maybe because they, uh, were trying to hide it for some reason, um, uh, because people would start saying his name in vain. Um, and this, the New Testament never uses this spelling at all. Um, what I would like to uh, point out to you, to you all, that um, the Delich New Testament does recover the Tetragrammaton, the name of God, in his translation of the New Testament. You want to check that. You might want to check that out. And he used it mostly, mostly in instances where Christ was quoting the Old Testament. But there were some instances that he knew when he was actually saying his name. Um, and uh, you guys might want to check that out. So there are other forms of this spelling in Greek, in different Greek texts. Um, but most of them give, uh, the form that I just mentioned, Yao, um, which is, uh, uh, Arrhenius, um, the church father, um, Oregon, um, Theodoret, and, uh, Pseudo-Jerome, uh, and on and on, um, those are the texts that I have given here that gives Yao. But there are other forms, like the Clement of Alexandria, that gives uh, Yao, um, Iota, Alpha, uh, Omicron, and Ellipson. Um, and something that Eusebius gives a form, Iota, uh, it is uh, Yehu. Um, and, but they're, uh, but they have also recorded the name as the Samaritans gave it in that time, Yahweh. Um, as most people would give it, it would be Yahweh, but you have to realize that the letter, um, beta, as we call it, it was actually, is actually Vita in, um, the Greek tongue. Um, so... Just as um, the Hebrews now give um, uh, the letter beta also as uh, the letter bet as also uh, vet, 
um, according to di- according to your diacritic marks, but the Greek language didn't have it, and they always had it Yahweh. Okay, so um, as I as I will go on to give you the pronunciation um, rules in the Greek. Okay, now the most common controversy of this name is Yahweh and Jehovah, okay? And that, um, uh, first of all, that J and Jehovah is actually a Y in Hebrew and an I in Greek, okay? So, J is mostly in the Greek, in the English language now. It's pronounced Jehovah in our language. So, um, with that being said, um, why Yahweh and Jehovah, okay? Um, why is it a V to some and a W to, to others? Um, because there's a huge problem with this. Um, nobody knows for sure, okay? But the Samaritans give a V. And, um... I firmly believe that it became that letter V or W um, to some, which is the letter Vav or Wa, um, can uh, be proved perhaps through the name specifically David in the Greek, uh, in the Septuagint, and in the New Testament. I believe that before the New Testament, it was a W. And in the New Testament, it became a V, a, a v pronunciation. Okay? This is because of the name David in the Old Testament. Um, that The name David uh, has that the letter Vav, or Wal, in it. And the Old Testament Septuagint gives Dawid. Instead of a V, it gives a a U or a Upsilon. And um, the New Testament gives David or David. So, um, with that being said, I believe that it, in the time of the Septuagint, it was a W, and by the time of the New Testament, it became a V. Okay? Um, I don't know if this had to do with the Babylonian exile, or however you will interpret that. Um, how would how would you interpret that, Dad? Well, you expanded on things that I need to clarify. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to understand why this is done. I know that was quite a mind-blowing thing that my son just said. Let me expound upon it. David is spelt differently in the Septuagint than the Adidorugia. And he's done it the exact same way with the difference between, well, a B and a V, because a B is just enunciation. It's the same sound. It's saying a V really stressed. That's all it is, is enunciation. You enunciate it differently. It has more stress on it. So, you need to come to grips with, this is why, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ is never called the son of Jesse. Okay, you all need to come to grips with this. In the New Testament, you all know this, that what is David always called is the son of Jesse. But when we get to Jesus, something else is used. It should say, Jesus, son of Jesse, but it doesn't. It says the son of David, and when it does, it doesn't use the same letter. So, he's doing this in magnificent ways that are really, he's trying to point out to you what his name actually is and how you actually pronounce it. He also does this with, I am the Alpha and the Omega. He does some very interesting things there with the Hebrew. So Delich knew exactly what he was doing, and he was pointing you to the simple fact that, well, we know 
how it's pronounced. Now, that in of itself is mind-blowing information for most people. They had no idea because, well, I really don't think that – I've mentioned that publicly, that the Septuagint is not spelt the same as the Adidorogia, and that's your reason why. I would so I want to um, expand on that. Um, um, this is going to give rise to that fight again. That should it be Wa or Vav? And um, it's ran on you guys' party. Yes, your earlier rabbis before Christ would have pronounced it a Wa, but Christ would have pronounced it a Vav. So you can continue to fight about that as much as you want. Your um, modern rabbis pronounce it with a vav, so um, you guys can. It really depends on your preference at this point, because of that. Because of that um, change at one point, and um, so as I get that thing down with the wa or the vav, I'm going to dis- explain the diacritics concerning that letter. Now, um, some di- when the diacritics are put onto them according to um, modern law and belief concerning them, if there is a certain diacritic on that letter, it becomes a ooh sound. Okay, It becomes a vowel if you put the right diacritics on it. It makes an ooh or an o. Oh. Depends on the diacritic mark. Okay? So if you put that on it, it becomes a vowel. Okay? And that being said, I will move on to the hey. The H sound. The the Greek language does not have an, a letter for H. Okay? Koine Greek didn't have it. Um, some people believe it was the, a, the Ada or Heda. Perhaps at one point was pronounced it with an H. But it wasn't in the Bible. Okay? That letter was not... There's not an H there. Okay? So, the Greek language completely omits those H's. When giving his name, they would not have those two H's or H's that are in God's name, which is yod He, vav He, or Y-H-V-H. So, those would not be present. So, if you explain um, the name in that fragment that we have of the Septuagint, that piece of Leviticus in the Dead Sea Scrolls that gives Yao, I would say that his name would have originally be originally have been pronounced Yaho. Okay? That Vav became an O vowel, and the H's were omitted in the Greek language. So his name I believe, perhaps, his name was originally pronounced Yaho, and that's where that's what I that's what I believe at this moment. That's um, my theory concerning his name. Okay, so um, with that all being said, I think you could take that off from here. Well, let's talk about uh, Aaron. In what instances are we supposed to say his name? Are we ever commanded to say his name? Are are there any – well, this is where the rubber hits the road. Are we supposed to be saying his name? Does he ever command us to actually say his name? Did you look into that at all? Well, Isaiah chapter 12, verse 4, it says, In that day you will say, Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Or give thanks to… Okay, that word Lord is the tetragrammaton, or, or and the Yaho, which I just gave. Okay, and it just said, commanded you to call on his name. And furthermore, it says, and, um, uh, in Psalms chapter 91, verse 14, Because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. Okay, and... um in Psalms chapter um, 102, uh, chapter uh, verse 21, it says that men may tell of the name of the Lord in Zion and His name in in His praise in Jerusalem. So, um, 
And then Psalms chapter 96, verse 2, it says, Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Okay, so, um, could this be, but could this be um, a present sense? He's telling you to call on his name. Was he talking in past tense before his name was um, hidden from us when the vowels were lost? Or is he speaking about the future when he comes and when after the tribulation and the Lord comes to this world and we are giving a new tongue? Um, is he speaking then? Then we will say his name. Um, so uh, there can only be theories concerning that matter. With that name, before I get any further, I want to um, point out what that says about the Hebrew, the Greek form, uh, Yao. It is Iota Alpha Omega. Okay, for the letter I, Iota, in Matthew 5, verse 18, For truly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one Iota, not a dot, will pass away from the law, until all is accomplished. Okay? And then, we all know, we also know the name Alpha and Omega. In Revelation 22, verse 13, Christ said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Um, so, that is pretty important, those three letters. Well, um, reference there to the three letters, of course, you've got to take that to the Delich New Testament, the Hebrew. He says, well, Aleph, and he says Tav, adding a prefix so you could see what was happening here, and it's literally staring you right in the face. Because it's got a prefix on it. It's got a prefix. I do want to take umbrage up with you, though in your reference to Psalms 102, but I shall correct you. You said that you have no idea how you could possibly know when these things would be discussed in Psalms 102. I assure you that you do know it because I've taught you this many times. Psalms 102, verse 21. That men may tell of his name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. When the peoples are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve the Lord God. I added God there <laughs> out of respect for my dad. Ladies and gentlemen, make no mistakes. This is only in the kingdom. And the men who's going to be saying his name in the throne room, which that Zion, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be none other than primus numerous. The Hebrew calls them Mosheim. Those that are in Jerusalem that's going to be saying his name is, of course, primus resurrectionate. Those who are going to rule and reign with Christ in Jerusalem. And the messages will go back and forth. The Hebrew gives it to you for that spiral staircase there in the Bible. So, I only say that because Aaron said we don't know when this is going to happen and whether it's in the kingdom. Yes, if he would have just read another verse, God makes himself perfectly clear as to what, who, and when was going to be able to facilitate this task. So, just take note that uh, he comes right out and tells you what time this is because I've been explaining this a lot. I've had to go over it hear a lot in private messages. People keep asking me about time, times, and the dividing, the peleg of time. He tells you right here. Verse 23. He has weakened my strength in the way. He has shortened my days. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, uh, God just come out and told you uh, that your years are not going to be 365 days. Uh, they're not going to be 24 hours long. It's a whole gambit. So he's telling you point-blank range that this is after time is divided and everything is shortened, that this thing will happen. This will be in the kingdom of heaven, which is right here on earth. 
Jesus will really be ruling, he'll really be reigning in Jerusalem for a thousand years. That's really going to happen. And during that time, those that are numbered in Revelation chapter 7 will be in Jerusalem proclaiming his name. And those in Revelation chapter 14 will be in Mount Zion praising his name. So that's how that's all going to work. He just came out and explained it. That is a side issue, but I couldn't let that go with my son. I mean, he literally said, well, we don't know when that's going to happen. It's just he and I had, had not had this conversation before. I mean, he did know. He just didn't realize what the Bible was saying because he was concentrating on the simple fact that we've gone over multiple verses that you're supposed to proclaim his name. So, Aaron, let's do that one more time uh, for, well, just for the certainty of the matter. Your research has revealed what pronunciation for the name of the Lord, my God, most high. How would you pronounce his name in your best summation? Yahoo is the best I could give. Um, but as I've mentioned before, uh, Delich um, recovered the name of God in the New Testament. He he gave this name um, frequently, usually, as I said before, when it was quoting the Old Testament. But there are some instances I will give in Matthew chapter twenty-three, verse thirty-nine. It says. When the Christ said, For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. That word, the Lord, is the Tetragrammaton, or Yahoo. In um, Mark chapter 5, verse 19, he said, Go home to thy friends, and tell them the great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath compassion on thee. Um, so... Uh, but notice that this is not direct. When did what did Christ say when he called on the name of God? Did he say, uh, "Yaho"? He said, "He said, Father." Okay, and this was Christ Himself, Christ being part of the Trinity, being God Himself, and He's and and He doesn't call the Father by His proper His proper name. Um. Because it's the same as if I were to call you Matthew, okay? Because Christ being the Son of God, he gave, offered his own father. That's right. His own father respect. He called him father, okay? And in these instances which I gave when he, when he mentioned his name... He didn't give it directly to God. He, he wasn't... He, he was telling... He wasn't directly talking to him. Okay? He's talking about him. Okay? And, um... I'm pretty sure you would have get, gotten um, a little bit more than your face bashed in if you called um, your king or your emperor by their proper name. Okay? Because, um... That's what they were. I mean, in the, um... New Testament, um... People called, um... The different emperors, usually Caesar, or the emperor, or um, the king, and so forth. And if you were to say, if um, if we're supposed to say his name nowadays, as the Psalms were um, giving, if we are supposed to say his name now, then we should always say it with the name God, okay? And never directly to him. We call him Father. But if we were going to say him, we say, Yaho God. Or Yaho my God. Okay? Because that's what the Old Testament gives. It gives, um, Yaho Elohim. And like if you were to, um, address King David. That's my two cents in there. Well, your two cents mimicked exactly what I was getting ready to say, but I have a lot more to tell you about it. But, yes. When you're talking to somebody, you say, well, my dad, Matthew, right? Of course you do. Of course you better. It's subconscious with you. This is why people need to understand that 
ladies and gentlemen, you need to come to the reckonings of what Aaron just described you is why those Orthodox rabbis would accept Christ. And the whole reason, the number one reason why they read the New Testament in Hebrew was to see if Delich would do this because this was going to be his fail mistake. This is the whole reason why, of course, Ulrich did one of the edits of his New Testament because Ulrich wanted to see what it was that Delich had chose to do with the name of the Lord his God. So, you all need to come to grips with that. If Delich had not done this, it would have been rejected. But they knew they were looking for Jesus to address God proper. Because they knew Messiah would not do that. Now, I probably sent all of you into shock, and now you're all scrambling to get hold of the Hebrew New Testament. And there's something else that you all need to be aware of, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to have to bring this up so that you know. I mean, the whole world knows it. All the experts know it. You need to take this to the bank because this is what it says. The whole reason why these verses are included in the Bible, I shall read them. Therefore, many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in what? Ah, yes. First Hebrew, second Latin, and Greek. Now you know why. Well, it wasn't written in Aramaic or um, you know Ethiopian or uh, Egyptian. Now you know why they did it. This was done as a sign of rebellion. These things were happening because of rebellion. Latin, of course, being the second one here, was the authorizing agent. But even the authorizing agent, all documents, was in Greek. So, with that in mind, now you know why Pilate said, I have written what I have written. You need to understand that this is the whole mechanism, they were not supposed to be writing and speaking Hebrew. So literally, just so you know, Aaron described you the whole reason why, and that's a historical fact, I'm sorry, but that's a historical fact. If the Roman legions caught you discoursing in Hebrew, you were flogged. So, Many of the things that the Bible talks about, uh, things being kept in secret, now you know why. Now you know why the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in the languages written that they were written in. They were taking the authorized documents and trying to translate them back into Hebrew, not the other way around, and everybody knows it. That's a matter of historical Roman fact. It's, it's fact. It's fact. So, with this in mind, you need to understand that, that Christ your King did not address his Father proper. So, when you get into these Hebrew roots groups and people that talk funny, you need to understand what's going on. They're trying to do what even Christ the King would not do. And it blows me away, this, this ingraining into the American church to be that cult of personality from Isaiah chapter 14 literally blows me away. And you need to rewire your brain that when you use and say God, you mean it the same way as you use the word dad. So it's very troubling that there's ministries, uh, there's well, there's ministers being fired because they won't say his name funny. They won't say something different. Churches are splitting. Fear God. That's what you need to do. You need to be afraid of him because you're going to have a reckoning with him. 
And I need to tell you this. I need to tell you this. You're going to the Bema seat. You really are. And you're going to only hear two things out of his mouth, and neither one of them is going to be his name. He's going to either say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, or he's going to say, go to hell. But he's never going to tell you what his name is. That's not going to come out of his mouth. Aaron, your closing comments, please, and your goodbyes. Well, it was good talking about this. I mean, it's been a huge controversy. Um, I've had my thoughts. Uh, me and my dad here have had our thoughts on um, translating the um, Delch New Testament into Greek, into English. Um, and we had a big talk about how we would translate the name of God into that into English. And um, we all agreed that we would, um, at the moment, we agreed that it would be um, the transliteration into English, Y-H-V-H. But, um, so I'm still hanging around on the idea, should I be going around saying Yahoo all the time? Um, well, just so you know, if you do, I'm going to smack your mouth, because you don't address him proper. Do you understand me? Yep. Your sins are forgiven through Christ, your King. And by God, He is due that. Do you understand me? He is due that honor. Jesus is due that honor. But you do not address my Father proper. Okay? I mean, Aaron, you never got to enjoy my dad. But if you'd have ever addressed my dad proper, believe me, you, I'd have knocked you for a loop and you'd have never done it again. So we need to think in those terms. We need to think in those terms that even if you know it, you don't say it because you don't address him proper. You address him as God because he's exclusive to that title. Everything else is false and tricksy and a deception. There is only one way. There's only one case form for God, Aaron. In Spanish, in Greek, in Latin, in Russian. It's only got one case. That's singular. Just singular. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, Christian Conspiracy Theory, signing off.